everyone. This podcast is brought to you by Global Shop Solutions ERP Software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Upset Swings NBA Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Stone Hansen. And the next in our series of guests here to talk Atlanta Hawks, Brad Roland uh, at BT Roland on Twitter. Uh, I know him most for Locked On Hawks, which I became a fan of a couple of years ago and just been hooked ever since. Uh, but he's he's writes for Dime Up Rocks as well, which is just one of the better basketball sites out there. This is genuinely the most excited I've been for one of these pods. Um, big fan of Brad's and also sneakily a big fan of the Hawks because they are far and away the most fun team to play with in 2K. So Brad, my friend, how you doing? I'm good. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, far too kind, to be honest, but uh, always happy to talk about some basketball. A weird year for the Hawks, which I'm sure we'll get into, but uh, it's, uh, it's a fun team to talk about most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely a weird year. Definitely a weird year, but also like fun to talk about weird year. So that's always the best thing. Uh, Stone, my friend, how you doing? Uh, doing well. Uh, excited to talk with Brad about the Hawks. Um, it should be, should be a fun one. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's a good way to just dive right into it. The Hawks, of course, had sort of a weird season. They ended up making the playoffs through the play-in, uh, beat the Cavs in that 8-9 um, game to, to make it in. And they didn't look horrible against a team that's still alive in the Eastern Conference Finals. So there's a positive there. But it did feel maybe a bit like a step back from the five seed, the trip to the Eastern Conference Finals that happened the year before. Um, and that that Hawks run in the playoffs was truly incredible to watch. I mean, I remember, of course, Trey Young at the Garden, um, just just a, a really kind of crazy two years after the Hawks were bad for what felt like a long time. So, Brad, how would you describe the Hawks season this past year? It was certainly a roller coaster in a lot of ways. You know, the baseline expectations were pretty high after what you said, uh, the run last year in the conference finals. And I think most people kind of didn't believe that they would repeat that necessarily, especially outside of Atlanta. Um, but you know, anytime that happens, you make a, a young team makes a run like that. Um, it is sort of inevitable that they're going to believe that they're going to be able to do that again. And that is not a huge surprise. Um, with that said, they were obviously not able to do that again. They were certainly worse overall, both in team quality regular season wise, and then playoff wise, they had kind of a weird playoff exit as well obviously an underdog as a uh, you know one eight matchup but not terribly competitive all the way through that series and then uh, kind of a bizarre ending with trey young just having the worst two weeks of his life basically on the basketball court um and i don't really think you worry about trey necessarily but it's, as far as the season is concerned it was a disappointment for sure and i think there was a lot of reaction to it internally externally uh, ownership uh, Travis Schlank, the president of basketball operations, they kind of were pretty candid about their frustrations to Travis, even in the middle of the offseason, sorry, in the middle of the season, gave a couple of pretty candid interviews to local radio about how they were kind of regretting what they did in the offseason. Like you don't often hear that from a team in the middle of, of its season. So not a lot of happy campers, but if you want to spin it positively, they were 26 and 14 in the last 40 games. Like they were kind of, they were pretty good in the second half of the season. And uh, that gives you some optimism for the, for the future. Yeah. I, I mean, I, for me as an outsider who watched some Hawks games, it, it just felt like maybe the supporting cast around Trey just wasn't quite what it was the year before. And, and sometimes that happens. Role players, you know, rarely is the NBA a steady line of progression. It, it tends to be, you know, they can kind of bounce up and down and what you would expect from them. But uh, so speaking of Trey Young, um, I think, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, there were arguments about how valuable he is. 
I, I don't think that would be an argument anymore. I think we can all recognize just how valuable and important Trey Young is, one of the best offensive players in the league. But Brad, could you maybe let us know, like, like what do you think the team around a Trey Young should look like? Like his specific skill sets, but also trying to minimize his weaknesses. Like what, what do you think a team around him should look like? Yeah, for all of the success that he has had, and he was fantastic this year, you know, his first All-NBA team made himself some extra money along the way because of that uh, as well. Um, you know, it is clear that he has um, limitations in some respects, especially especially defensively. That's not a secret to anybody that's watched him play. Um, but listen, he was probably a top three to five offensive player in the league this year in terms of like his overall impact, uh, cumulative value-wise. He famously led the league in points and assists total. Uh, like you, you can't fake that. He's an awesome offensive player. Um, his, for I always say his passing is still underrated at this point. He gets all the attention for his 40-foot his shots and all this stuff, but I think he's still, his best trait still is passing for me. He's a, he's a ridiculous passer. Um, and sort of building around him, they've kind of been open about this. Like they, they spent a couple of lottery picks in the same draft on DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish trying to find those two way wings that every team needs, but especially the Hawks on defense, you kind of have to insulate Trey in some respects and try to build a team. that doesn't have a lot of weaknesses other than him because he's never going to be good defensively. It's just the reality of the situation. Um, so you, you need that on defense. You also, you also need spacing around him. Obviously you want to have a role man and they, they have a few options for that with, with Capella and a Kongwu and John Collins. They've done a good job always kind of having that guy for him. Um, and also I think it's, it's kind of underrated now because of how good they were offensively during the regular season. They were number two in the league in offense this year. But I think we saw in the playoffs, you also kind of need one more guy that can handle the ball a little bit, uh, play with him, not, not most of the time off the ball, but, you know, he can't be a 35% usage guy all the time. We've seen that at times, especially for a guy as small as he is, it's kind of just hard to ask him to be every single thing for your offense as a creator. So I think certainly there are some team building challenges for Trey. I think the Hawks would even admit that in a, uh, in a moment of, of, of truth serum, but you know, he's still so awesome on offense. He's sort of offense by himself. As long as you give him a little bit of stuff to work with and uh, it gives you some freedom to kind of uh, maybe lean a little bit more defensively. And that's their challenge in the future, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think that sort of brings me to the supporting cast that has been built around him. And it just, it feels like, this is an offseason with a lot of potential flux. Um, guys like John Collins have been mentioned with other guys on the show as potential trade as a potential trade candidate. Clint Capella had a very up and down season. Just it, it was hard to determine exactly what his defensive value is. Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter had kind of, I think, up and down regular seasons, but then Herter again turned it on in the playoffs and became and proved himself to still be a very valuable two guard, but both of those guys maybe are who you would hope would take over those secondary ball handling roles. And it just, it feels like it hasn't quite clicked with them. And then Deandre Hunter just can't stay healthy despite the impact he does bring on both ends. So Brad, what do you think of that core? And, and, and what do you think like the potential off season changes might look like with those five? Yeah, it's really interesting in that, um, what I've been saying, what I've been framing it is like, I expect the Hawks to do something different with their core. And for me, the extended core is those five guys plus Trey and a Kongwu. Like that's, that's their seven basically guys who are um, certainly core pieces on some level. And clearly Trey is the only untouchable guy on the roster, but I think they're going to change something just because of all the comments that they're making and um, sort of the step back they took, but it's hard for me to pin down which of them people always ask me this question as a natural follow-up, like, okay, who's that, who's it going to be? And it's like, I don't really have a good answer for you. I think like all these guys have a pretty decent chance of being traded on a, on a, on a, 
on sort of a scale of one to 10, but nobody's an eight, nobody's a 10 on like, I'm sure they're going to get traded in the next two months. So it is very interesting. I think that, you know, not to go down like player for player, but uh, I think Collins is always in rumors for whatever reason. I think he's still underrated for me. He's come a long way defensively. He's a very valuable piece. And I wonder if it gets underrated nationally, his numbers, his counting stats in particular, have, have kind of taken a step back. And it's really because of the role that he's been asked to play more than anything else. You know, he was he, he was a 21 and 10 guy before they got Capella in. And now Capella being the best rebounder in the league, maybe like a top five rebounder in the league, he kind of sucks up a lot of that auction. But I think that Collins is the best he's ever been right now. I think he's a, he's a pretty decent defender at this point in time. He can shoot it. He can roll. He's a very valuable piece. Capella, when he's right, is awesome. Uh, early in the year, he had a slow start this season. I thought he was like a top... I don't know, five to 10 defender in the league two years ago. Uh, that's how good he was. And this year he kind of found that height, but it took him like, I don't know, a couple of months to get there. And from that point forward, he was pretty good. But uh, he's, of course, a guy that um, has a guy behind him waiting in the wings in the Congolese. There's always that point of attention. And then the wings, you know, I'm fond of saying this, but their wings just weren't good enough this year on the whole. It wasn't that any of them, uh, especially Bogey and Herder, were both pretty good, but they move on from Cam Reddish midseason. DeAndre Hunter, as you mentioned, has been banged up and also just wasn't very good. I mean, I, I've, I'm still pro DeAndre Hunter. Uh, I still like, I still believe in him as, as a prospect, but it was a rough year for him in year three. It was just not a good season for him on either end of the floor, really. Defensively, it was okay, but they don't have that prototypical number two on the perimeter, which is their, uh, I guess everybody's looking for that, but the Hawks definitely are. I think that both Bogey and Herter are valuable pieces, but you want those guys to be your kind of number three perimeter guy more than your number two perimeter guy. Um, we've seen, you know, especially Bogdanovich, when he's hot, he's incredible and he'll just be bombing away and all that stuff. But he's he's got some knee issues too. He's getting a little bit older. Herter um, is a great complimentary piece, but that's what he is. He's a complimentary piece. He's a really good player, but uh, they don't have, you know, I think Collins is their number two on offense. If you had to, if you had to choose one of those guys, but he's, he's a, sort of a role man. He's, he's flexible, but he's not someone you can just throw the ball to and get out of the way. So it's this really interesting uh, dichotomy because all these guys are movable on some level. I think Capella has been their second most valuable player the last two years because of the defense. He's been basically all of their defense <laughs> has been Capella the last two seasons. But you drafted Kongu two years ago, number six overall. You don't plan on that guy being your, your backup center for four years behind, a, behind Capella when you draft him. Like you have to make a decision there one way or the other. And then, like I said, Collins is just always seemingly on the market. So uh, long answer, I know, just to tell you that one of these guys, I think probably is not going to be back. I just don't know who it is, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and Oh, go ahead, Stone. Oh, I was just going to say that um, I, I know you've mentioned the Kongu a few times now, and he's someone that uh, I was pretty high on pre-draft, uh, and I, I remain relatively high on him uh, from the you know small sample size that he's shown in the league so far. Um, but what do you think of his trajectory and in, in long-term outlook along with there are two other young guys that I, I was also fairly high on, on Sharif Cooper, especially I was and uh, Jalen Johnson, but those three guys, I, I know, I think a is probably, you know, the best of the three in terms of a prospect, but um, what do you see their like future roles and outlooks with this team and, and how they can positively affect it? Yeah, I, I too, Loved the Congo as a prospect and still do. I was one of the few uh, around the Hawks that were kind of banging the drum for them to consider him heavily at six. And they drafted him, of course, ultimately, um, you know, they, they of course got Capella in that same off season, but you know, it's one of those things where they didn't know what Capella was going to bring them necessarily. They had traded for him. He was hurt. He was hurt when they got him and it was the best player available pick. I mean, I think a Kongu, 
has shown in a lot of flashes so far, but he's had some injuries along the way. I think he's kind of got lost in the shuffle because of the injuries and also because of just the role that he's been playing in part because they have Capella and Capella has been really good. So I don't think that there should be really any shine off of uh, Okongwu so far. I think he's been exactly what they probably thought he was going to be coming out of school. And I'm personally excited for him this offseason because it's the first time he'll actually be healthy to get some work done. Um, he said that they've said that internally as well in that, you know, he's been hurt both off seasons so far and skill development wise, that's, as you guys well know, that's when the stuff really gets done in the off season, like particularly with him, they think he'll be able to shoot eventually. And he just has no, he's had no time to really work on that. Maybe this is the summer that actually starts to come to fruition. Um, he has some limitations, of course, being a six, eight center, like rebounding has been a huge problem for him so far at center. That might always be a problem for him. Uh, it reminds me of Al Horford, another, another former Hawk who had rebounding issues, uh, was obviously an awesome player an all-star player, but uh, always there was like, Oh, we can't rebound. Well, it, you know, it is, it is what it is, but uh, Akongwu and Capella are just very different players in that aspect. So it's kind of hard also to they've built this team around Capella in some ways, defensively in particular. And then you ask a Kongwu at six, eight to come in and play a Capella like role. And I I'd be interested to see if they were like more openly molding around a Kongwu, which they won't do unless they trade Capella. So it's like this w- interesting give and take. I'm, and I'm not advocating for them to trade Capella because Capella is really good, but eventually you kind of have to choose a direction. If you're the Hawks, that's one of those two guys. Um, I do think long-term a Kongwu is still going to be their center. Eventually they'll hand the torch over to him. I don't know if that's going to be now or later, but I still really, really buy him as a prospect. And I think he could be like a fringe star in the future. Like, I think he's, he's really got that kind of upside. He's a very modern player too, switchable, super athletic, great touch, all that stuff defensively. He's got great awareness. He fouls too much still as a lot of young guys do, but uh, I like him a lot. Um, Johnson and Cooper have obviously proven a lot less, but they kind of both just fell in their laps. It was uh, one of those crazy offseason you know, drafts last year where I had both those guys as first rounders, obviously, I, I, Sharif is a top 20 pick in the draft. He falls to 44. I had Jalen in my top like 12 or 13 falls to 20. And the Hawks just kind of stood pat and took the guys that fell to them. And it was this weird situation where I would have guessed that neither of them were going to be Hawks before the draft, but just value wise, they were the best players available. Um, they, they, got, they both kind of, got, kind of got buried this year because the Hawks were trying to win and they had this present coach and Nate McMillan that was not really interested in playing rookies, but I still like both of them. I think Johnson, especially this year, will have a role on the team. Uh, Gallo could be gone. He's the guy that was kind of the backup power forward type. He's a non-guaranteed contract, all that stuff. But I think they'll probably give Jalen a role coming into his second season. Sharif, I'm not, I'm less sure about just because they have, they have Trey. And it's this weird situation where I felt bad for Sharif when they drafted him on some level because he's from Atlanta, which is great. But like, oh, Sharif, you're playing behind Trey. So your ceiling in Atlanta is basically backup point guard. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a good problem for the Hawks to have, but I still like all three of those guys in particular. I'll be, I'll be intrigued to see what they, what they plan on doing with Jalen and Sharif, but uh, I really do buy a Kongwu for sure. Yeah. And I'm a huge Jalen Johnson fan as well. Um, his G League tape was very fun this year when he did play. And um, I just think like he specifically could really fill a role because you mentioned sort of any type of secondary shot creation. It's not going to be um, consistent. I wouldn't think, but like there are nights where you hope Jalen Johnson can maybe fulfill that but that does take me to sort of major holes to fill um you've mentioned the shot creation you've mentioned sort of three and d kind of two-way wings um i think point of attack defense is a big one i didn't mention delon Wright on the outline but he was huge for them in the playoffs because he could actually like get over a screen and and make uh the opposing guards life a little difficult and i think 
those three things are all sort of in play at 16. If you were to guess, Brad, where, what do you think they're going to look to address in the draft at 16 and 44? Yeah, it's really interesting to see philosophically what they will do just because, you know, you have to know your personnel and that includes the coaching staff. And I think if you're Travis Schlank, you have to probably know deep down that Nate McMillan is not going to want to play a rookie very much this year, which shouldn't necessarily change your board. But a lot of teams, I think, will, particularly when they're trying to win, might look to a more present facing player. And the Hawks don't really need to do that because that guy's not going to play very much anyway, in my mind, to be honest with you. I said the same thing, same thing about Johnson. Hawks fans got mad at me a year ago, as you might imagine. Like, I was like, guys, he's not going to play. I promise you he's not going to play. It won't be his fault. He's not going to play. And he didn't play because they just, there was just nowhere, nowhere for him to go. Um, there is a little bit less depth coming back for the Hawks this year. So maybe there's a little bit more of a clear path depending on who they take. But it's an interesting sort of philosophical debate between do you take advantage of the fact that you could actually swing a little bit more, more for upside because you don't quote unquote need this guy, or do you try to look a little bit short term, maybe a higher floor, etc. And really, I'm kind of fond of saying like the only thing that they probably can't do, especially at 16, is draft like a pure center. Like I don't think that Mark Williams would be, would be a good pick for them. I like Mark Williams actually as a prospect, but just given the Hawks have Capella and a Kongbu would be a kind of a weird thing to do. But almost anything else they could pretty much do in this in this class. Um, and for me, it's the best player available draft for sure for the Hawks. Uh, I do think that they'll want to avoid guys who can't defend at all. I think um, offense only players would be almost a cross off for me. Not that there are a ton of those guys in this range, but I think you want to at least have someone that you can appreciate in the future as at least a solid defender. Um, a lot of the guys mock to them are like defense first, like your Tari Eason types, who is definitely just more of a defense force kind of player. Um, I've heard some buzz about, um, you know, Oshai Abaji is kind of a weird prospect in that he's not a great defender probably, but a decent enough defender, shoot a little bit older guy, more of a short-term facing guy. Um, but certainly they could go anywhere. They can go combo guard. If they want to get more, uh, more playmaking on the court next to Trey Young. They can go defensive wing. They can maybe try to get another four in there in the mix. They don't have a lot of depth there. It really is uh, wide open. I'm kind of fond of saying like, there's probably like 12 to 15 guys they could draft at 16 and it wouldn't surprise me. My list will be shorter than that on my own board, but it's like, this is kind of a flat draft for me anyway in that range. And then you throw in the, the fact the Hawks have a lot of like flexibility and what they could do. And it's really a, a very wide spectrum. Yeah. And, and because of that, and also because I, I feel like, like you mentioned flat draft, it really feels like there's not a ton of um, wiggle. Like there's not a ton of guys who have been linked to specific teams in this range yet. It's yep. really hard for um, to, to decide on a most realistic pick. As we record this, it's still very early in the process. As you guys listen to it, it'll be about five, six days after we record this. You'll maybe be a, a little farther along and, and maybe some names will have been linked, but as we record, it's just, it, you know, other than some mocks, it really doesn't feel like there's a ton to go off of. So picking a most realistic pick is hard, but I do want to throw out some names. Um, you mentioned Ochai Baji. I think he is someone who he's going to go somewhere, I think, in the 13 to 18 range. I think, you know, Charlotte to me, at, Charlotte to me seems like a big potential destination as well as Cleveland. But if he falls to 16, which is it like, I don't love this pick for my board, but I think, you know, as where the NBA seems to be on him, Ochai at 16 seems to be a really like, like that would be something that's hard to pass up. You talk about BPA. This is a BPA draft. Um, I've seen Jaden Hardy as a potential secondary shot creator linked here. Um, but the two guys that really pop to me are Tari Eason and Marjan Bochamp, who bring more of that 
defense element because I think those guys, uh, especially Bochamp, who's more of a wing, or Tari's more of a forward right now. Um, Bochamp uh, in high school was more of a shot creator, so maybe there's that latent height, like that latent upside there. But either way, one of the better wing defenders in this class. I think he can shoot, great cutter. Uh, just seems like someone who's going to play well with Trey. And he's a bet for me as someone who could maybe crack the rotation early. He seems like someone Nate McMillan could um, could get along with. He's played in a pro-style scheme in the G League. He plays defense. He's a hustle guy. Um, so I could see that maybe happening. Brad, is there anyone that stands out to you as sort of a, like, realistic pick at, at 16? Yeah, I think Abaji is, like, a very uninspiring but also just perfectly fine pick if that makes sense like he would be your um if mike budenholzer was still in charge in atlanta that's who he would draft like when he was the when he was the the hybrid head coach gm he drafted a bunch of 22 year old wings <laughs> to Victorian prince to deandre Bembry and whoever else uh he would be that pick i don't know if that's what they want to do but he would you know he checks the box of shooter and that plays enough defense um i think that that's an interesting name i think tari eason has been uh, a very realistic name for me. He already uh, he's, he already worked out for them. Not that that means a ton, but it, it matters on some level. Um, and because of the defense, like they, they know they have to get better defensively. They have been banging the drum publicly, privately. We want to get A, a secondary creator, and B, another defender basically along the way. Or And obviously, primarily, it'd be great to have both of those guys at one player. But um, Eason checks the, checks, the, checks the defensive box. Um, maybe even like a, I don't know, your, your Kendall Brown type, but more that, that's more of a long-range guy. But certainly, he's in their range. I like Bochamp as well. Uh, that'd be interesting in terms of, uh, especially defensively. I don't know. It's There's nobody that stands out to me as like super likely above everybody else. But I do think somebody in that Abaji, Eason, um, you know, Ty Ty Washington, maybe as a combo guard, kind of, if they want to just have a uh, focus on that punch, if they were to, he's a dribble pass shoot guy and Travis Slank loves dribble pass shoot guys. He's very, very prone to use that phrasing. Uh, you mentioned Hardy. Um, I think there's like, I've never been the biggest Hardy guy, but like, it's almost like people have gone too far now on Hardy. I, I do believe, I think that he actually might have some value, might be a little bit high for me there, but if they want to aim for upside and shot creation, he's got a lot of that potentially. So I don't know, this is probably a bad answer, but it really, I have a hard time trying to pick like two or three guys right now. Cause it's like you mentioned, it's so early that the Intel isn't quite there yet. But if I had to choose like one realistic pick, maybe I'll say Tari Eason. We'll, we'll go with that. This might be a little bit unrealistic because I don't really have a great grasp for this guy's ranges at the moment, but I would really like a Jalen Williams in Atlanta. I think that makes a lot of sense in terms of the guy that you're sort of mentioning with Ty Ty, but in my opinion, the, the better version of that as a dribble pass shoot sort of guard, someone that I think can fit alongside uh, um, Trey Young, but also can solidify like a backup unit if they wanted to play him that way as well. Um, I think he's a really good off-ball shooter, so if you wanted to play, it works. And he has the frame to hopefully be a, a better defender than he showed at Santa Clara. But, um, yeah, I, I think it makes sense. I just don't know right now if this would be sort of a reach because I have no grasp on his range at the moment. Yeah, Williams is someone who I, who I was about to bring up as I was, I was looking at, at my board. Just, like, he seems to me – him and Tari are probably the two guys in this range who are – the best bets to bring defense and that secondary shot creation. Um, Williams having like high level feel, I think matters. Is this too high for like a Jake LaRavia? You think I, I, I don't know. It's so, it's so hard to, to really pin down someone who's going to be here. I, I think Blake Wesley could be a great pick. Like if he's yeah. around here, I'm a huge, huge Wesley fan. Like 
And, and I think he is, he's not going to play immediately if this team wants to be good, but I think down the line, I think he could be a secondary shot creator and he would be the best point of attack defender on this team outside of DeLon Wright. I guess that just brings me to the dream pick, right? Like, and we can be somewhat realistic here. Like, obviously, Paolo is not going to be here at 16, even though the rumors of falling do exist. But I, I just I, I think that's the easier way to look at the Hawks draft. It's just like as you know, Brad, I know you do a ton of draft work and then Stone and I as well. Like, who would we want the Hawks to take if we're trying to get the Hawks to take a step up within the next two, three years? Who is that guy? So, Brad, I'll throw that to you first. Who's your Who's your dream selection at 16? This is unfair, uh, but I have to give him a shout out. My my friend Andrew Kelly uh, from Peachtree Hoops, who's a, a prominent Twitter personality as well, uh, has been touting this uh, John Collins to Sacramento for Jaden Ivey thing uh, for a while. So I have to just I'm not I'm, I wouldn't necessarily be there, but it's certainly that's certainly a swing. If you want to say that? Um, realist, more realistically, let's let's say at 16, um, my my dream guy there is Dyson Daniels. I love Dyson Daniels. Uh, I think he will be gone, to be fair. But as you guys know, it seems like every year somebody falls. So it's not like it's inconceivable. Last year, it was Jalen Johnson, who actually fell like eight spots, 10 spots further than people thought he was going to fall. When John Collins was drafted, it was John Collins. He was supposed to go at like 12 or 13 and going to 19 or whatever. Um, You know, for me, Daniels is a guy that I just enjoy and also is a good fit for me with the Hawks as well. The size, the defense. The jumper is a question for sure, but he can handle the ball. And I think his, his two-way appeal would be really interesting. He's young. He fits well with Trey, just sort of uh, magnifying what uh, he sort of get, get hidden in terms of what Trey can do. He can kind of shy off of that. And what Trey can't do, he can make up for. Um, he's my he's my go-to uh, you know dream guy who falls in their lap kind of pick. Uh, Runner-up to that, maybe someone, I don't even know, maybe Jeremy Sohan. Is the other guy that like again probably probably is going to be gone. But in terms of upside, like defensively, he could he could change their lives defensively. If it, if it hit, if he falls there and hits, um, you, you start thinking about like just the athleticism and the length and the defensive acumen there to kind of put around Trey because again, they know they have to build defensively around a Trey, and he would be a great guy to do that. Offensively, I'm not sure about his upside necessarily, but he is uh he's rising for a reason. There's a reason why Shohan's now supposed to be a lottery pick. It's because uh, if you watch him defend and watch what he could be, he's pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, Stone, who would be your sort of dream selection here for the Hawks at 16? Well, I mean, if you've listened to our episodes past, um, you would know that I guess me and Brad are apparently on the same wavelength. Um, So I I would love either of those guys, honestly. Um, I I don't have differing answers, unfortunately, to make it more exciting. But (laughs) my apologies. No, (laughs) those, those are perfect names. And uh, I mean, I like them in most almost every situation, but the Hawks obviously is, is just one of those. So I would I would love either of those picks there at 16. Yeah, you know what's funky about the Hawks is I'm not like trying to identify like a, like lots of times we do these with, with specific teams and I'm like, okay, like who's a three and D wing? Like who's the best three and D wing who I think is going to be available at 16 or 18 or, or whatever number. For me, it's just like, I, for me, it probably would be Tari or Blake Wesley. Uh, I have those guys both top 10 on my board. I'm very high on both of them. And I just think um, they're the best bets in this range to be a secondary shot creator and a defender. I don't know. You know, neither of them might actually reach that height of secondary shot creator. I think Wesley's probably the better bet at that. So if I had to choose one, it'd be probably be Wesley. But um, I think Eason is underrated as a potential shot creator just because he is one of the strongest drivers in this class. Um, if you really believe in Jalen Johnson, maybe that's not the greatest pick. They're kind of 
similar cells, even though I think Tari's probably the better defender and he's a little older as well. But uh, Wesley's probably the number one for me. I just think his potential to, to run, pick and roll, you know, you can kind of have it bring him off the bench once he starts to hit and um, hopefully develop him to play next to Trey Young. The shot is a, is a bit of a question, but I think the defense is really, really high level. I just think um, he's maybe the best swing in this area to fill that incredibly kind of specific niche of that's not really in one prospect most times it's not really like you're going to get a high level defender and a secondary shot creator in one prospect at 16 that's pretty rare I think Wesley's maybe the best bet at that um were there any other names that's kind of popped you guys at 16 before we move on to 44 I'll just say that I uh I could see the Wesley thing a lot like I I will say I'm not the highest on him individually in terms of my own evaluation but I do agree that like his upside is, is almost exactly what they need. So like, if you believe in it, he does make a ton of sense there. Um, I'm just, I'm just a little bit lower on like, I think across the board, but the skill set in particular, if it were to hit and he is kind of far away, but you mentioned like he, they don't have to play him right away. Like he, they could take a kind of a red shirt year on him and get him ready to go. And uh, certainly that pick would make sense. I know there's a lot of Hawks fans that like, that like him as well. Um, just to make, make, just sort of back you up on that. I think that his theoretical, what he could be uh, checks a lot of boxes for them. Yeah, the one other name that just popped into my head, we were talking about guys who could potentially fall. I've heard a lot of these kind of combo two guards mentioned in the lottery. One probably will fall to around 16. And that the other one of those guys we haven't mentioned is Malachi Branham, who I think is the worst fit of the Dyson, Blake Wesley, um, Marjon, whoever, like that type of group. But I, I he's at least like he he could be a BPA pick too, just really funky you know, shot creator who I think is a bet to be a really good shooter, but I, I'm not confident that um, he's a great fit next to Trey, but who, who knows uh, that transitioned me into 44. And, and obviously if the board is wide at 16, it's even wider at 44. Yeah. Um, but the Hawks, I think have done well in the second round. I loved the Skylar Mays pick uh, a couple of years ago. I, the Shreve Cooper pick was just so obvious, even if the fit is funky, I, I think, um, you know, Schlank for his faults, I think is a very solid drafter and he's very good at sort of identifying talent. So Brad, is there anyone at 44 and we don't have to go through a ton, a ton of names, but is there anyone in specific at 44 that you're like, I really hope he's around. I'd love to see him on the Hawks. Um, there are a couple of guys. And again, it's really hard to figure out who, if they're going to be available. It would not surprise me if these guys were gone. Um, I would really like the other Jalen Williams, the Arkansas Jalen Williams, if he was available. Uh, I think he's a pretty good fit theoretically if it works out with like, with a Kongwu in particular. Like he's a great rebounder uh, in the way that a Kongwu is not uh, a good defender in a lot of different ways. Obviously, the drawn charges get all the attention for Jalen Williams, but he does a lot of different things uh, defensively. I'm not sure he can shoot. That's the one question there, but that's why he's a second round pick. If he could shoot, he'd be a first round pick. <laughs> so uh, you, there's always going to be a question on some level about a guy in this range. If they wanted to go a little bit different, like maybe like a Max Christie from Michigan State, like didn't have a great freshman year by any stretch of the imagination. Same with like Caleb Houston, if he stays in the draft, one of those like, you know, used to be top 15, 20 guys that kind of had their shine come off. Um, Peyton Watson's another one like that, where they're not the greatest fit in the world, but like you're kind of just taking flyers. I think if the Hawks, um, especially depending on what they, what they do in the first round, what they're playing as, they might want to just go for a swing in the second round. Um, I like the Mays pick as well that you mentioned, and, and obviously Sharif filling in their lap, but that's the one thing that Schlenk has not had um, to his credit so far in the draft. He's been an awesome drafter so far. He's not hit on a second round pick officially yet. Like there's not, I mean, Mays is probably their best guy so far. He's like been a very fringe guy. Like it was Bruno Fernando, it was, you know, Tower Dorsey and all this. They, they, they have not had the great success there. Again, that's like a high bar to clear in second round picks. But uh, 
Harrison Ingram, maybe like, I'm just trying to think of like, if they want to just go for bets on some upside. Oh, the other guy that I should mention, I think he'll be gone. But for some reason, I see him mocked in this range a lot is, is Josh Minot. I think he'd be interesting too. If he were to be available, I'm guessing he's going to, he's going to be a sort of a late riser, but if he's, uh, if he's around, he'd be there. But I think um, it's sort of back to the ideal thing, barring some crazy Sharif level fall to 44, I will uh, go with the Arkansas Jalen Williams. Yeah. Uh, I, I still believe in Tyler Dorsey. So maybe that's why I, I count that as a win. I was a huge, <laughs> I, I do not. I'll yeah. As, with <laughs> as a PAC 12 guy, uh, I vividly remember watching Tyler Dorsey come to Pullman and just absolutely eviscerate us and and um yeah no that's... he's he's a good guy too i shouldn't i shouldn't pile up. there was a it was a very loud hawks contingent that was very excited about him when it was kind of already proven he wasn't going to be good and i used to just hear about it all the time like guys he's not i'm sorry it's not happening for him and he's uh i wish him the best though i, I do like that so yeah yeah that that whole oregon team was was so fun and the best NBA player was like the worst of their starters so you know that's how that tends to go <laughs> yeah. um Dylan Brooks of course the best to ever do it um, a name that really stands out to me here as just another swing at that can he create some shots you know defend it's Wendell Moore I don't know where his range is but I actually think like he could see a Gary Trent Jr-esque fall, you know, the Duke guy who falls and, and uh, I, very different player from, from Trent, obviously. But I think I, I think he's three and D who's not great at D and not great at three. So he could kind of slip through the cracks. But I think he does a lot of important stuff that the Hawks would need. I think he's a good connective passer. I think he's a pretty good off-ball mover. Um, he's played with great passers before. He's um he, he's just someone who I think if he's around in this range he just feels like a fairly obvious pick um and then Christian Brown also stands out to me I don't know where he's going to go not going back to Kansas so I'm guessing he has like a top 40 promise but you never know I mean it, the world can change in an instant and uh I just don't know with him but if he's here at 44 I think Brown I don't love him but at 44 I think he's someone who is probably at least a fringe NBA player and at 44 that's like a good guy to swing on i would like them to swing on a wing i i they don't need to draft another guard here again skyler Mays, as we mentioned shreve cooper who i really really believe in i had shreve top 20 um i they don't i don't think they need another guard in this room but i i feel like backup point guard isn't the biggest need here um so just getting a, a wing who can maybe do something um is just is just huge for me Stone, is there anyone that stands out? Oh, go ahead, Brad. No, sorry. Before I'll, I'll, I'll get out of the way for Stone, I, I think that uh, I forgot one, forgot mention one guy that I just I just enjoy, and it's David Roddy, the uh, our large adult son, David Roddy. He would be interesting there if he were to be available. I know the body is a question, uh, but in terms of just like if he lost, you know, twenty pounds, got into better shape, maybe like an interesting small ball forward, does some stuff like. 44, I think that's actually makes a lot of sense. I, I also just love him unconditionally. So I Brad and I have a thing for, for thick boys, I guess. We love uh, David Roddy. Yeah, David Roddy is my guy as well. Also big Matt Mitchell fans, Brad and I. So <laughs> just huge. Uh, you got to love, you know, fat is potential in disguise, as they it say. Is. So uh, I, I like Roddy a lot. If he's here at 44, I would be running to the podium because I think there's an argument for Roddy to be a first round pick because if you – like he's really athletic despite being like 30 pounds overweight. So if he were to lose that, like the passing, the ship, I think he can shoot. He sets good screens, which is weird. Like it's just just a very solid player. Um, Stone, sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead and, and give us some names. Uh, there, there's really no other names I had to bring up. Um, my two were going to be Wendell Moore and, and Josh Minot. I really like those fits sort of uh, in the back end. I think Minot really fits sort of the – 
the hopeful projected two-way wing. Um, if they were to spend some time to develop him, you know, probably spend significant amount of time in the G League his first year. But, um, you know, as he as he goes uh, further along in his career, could hopefully be that impactful sort of two-way uh, wing or forward. Um, and then I think Wendell Moore makes a lot of sense too as hopefully like uh, for spurts, your, your secondary ball handler, if you play staggered lineups with him and Trey in, in certain times um, and as like a backup guard, uh, someone that just can fill in and do a lot of things at a good level, not great level, um, but isn't going to hurt you in a lot of ways either. So uh, those are just two names that I, I, I also had on my board. Yeah. Oh man, I wish I would have looked it up for the plot. It just hit me. I was thinking about, you know, Hawks are in Atlanta and Atlanta is a, is a prospect hub, right? It is a huge uh, basketball. um, Sorry, my dog is trying to destroy my microphone. Um, It is a huge sort of uh, prospect, like, like players come from there now. It's, it's huge. Like part of the issue with Georgia as a program in college basketball is they can't recruit Atlanta. I, is there any, are there any like like big Georgia prospects here. Obviously, Sharif last year fell to 44, got to be the hometown kid. Uh, back when the when the Hawks had hopes of getting the number one pick, I think something that a lot of Hawk fans were saying in support of Anthony Edwards going at number one uh, was that he's from Atlanta. Are there any Atlanta guys uh, in this draft? Brad, I don't know if you know that, so I could cut I this like out. I'm blanking right know, now. But... No, it's it's okay. I think I'm I'm trying to look at a list to make sure to like revive my memory because there's always a few like, you know, a stinky guy like recently was like Devin Vassell was, is actually from here and just people kind of just forgot that he was from here. Isaac Okoro is from here and got, they, got, they got a lot of play. There hasn't been like a, a very obvious one this year. I'm trying to think, but I don't think, I don't think there is. Maybe there is and I'm just not remembering it, but there's nobody in the top like 20 that is. That's yeah, there's no like top, top guy. I don't think, uh, but there are three Pacific Northwest guys in the top. So that's, that's what really matters here. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's about all I have. I'll, I'll mention one undrafted name. I don't know why, but he seems like the perfect fit to me. If he hits uh, Lester Quinones, probably 44 is maybe a little too rich. I'm super high on Lester Quinones compared to most. I think he is very underrated point of attack defender. He was a connective piece who played in the system where being a connector didn't like, wasn't rewarded. Like he didn't, you know, he was lots of times the only shooter on the floor. They used him as a movement shooter that hurt his percentages. Um, but I think he could be like a really solid two-way wing. You know, he's a little undersized, but sort of like a diet version of what you might be hoping for. in, in some of the guys at 16. Uh, so I don't know, Stone, Brad, if you guys have any undrafted names uh, to get off your chest. Oh, I feel like I have one. Oh, um, he might get drafted, but I like I kind of like Keon Ellis from Alabama, like maybe a late second kind of uh, guy, but um, maybe not the greatest Hawks guy because he's kind of skinny and more of like a pure two size guy. But I kind of buy him as a three and D prospect if he get a, get a little bit bigger. Um, I think that Andrew Nemhar is going to get drafted now because he he, he has some pretty good combine buzz. But he was on my list of a guy who was like routinely not in those top fifties or sixties that I that I liked more. But I think he's going to be back in that range now, so maybe this count. Yeah, Nemhard, I've I've seen as high as like 32. Like he's kind of, I think he's also kind of getting a Jalen Brunson bump. Yeah, like, there, there, like, there was a there was a big bump in the last like two weeks on which which is I think I think I think it's deserved because for me he's he's like a top 40 guy for me. Yeah. But I thought I, I just never saw him there for most of the season until now, which is okay. I mean he's he's also older, kind of maybe a lower lower ceiling guy. I think he's 22 or 23 already, but at that range, like you know, 50, 50 or higher, sign me up for sure. Yeah, I think it's also underrated how like like big he is like I think like yeah. people think of him as like a small point guard but he played no. the two at Florida and he's like I don't know his, 
his development track has been really, really funky because I thought he should be a one and done out of Florida as like a three and D two type. And then with some ball handling upside, and then, you know, he goes to Gonzaga and he develops there and just really, really impressive guy. I'm excited to talk about him on a future episode. Stone, is there an undrafted guy for you? It kind of pops. Uh, and he doesn't really fit what the Hawks do, but I just like the value. Um, I would like Darion Sebron if they, if he was an undrafted guy. I don't know after the combine either. He might have played himself into uh, a decent second round uh, bet there. But uh, if he does go uh, undrafted, he's just a name I really like at that sort of value. So uh, getting someone that can easily get to the rim and slash and, you know, maybe be sort of that secondary creator at, again, at if you stagger lineups and stuff, um, just from the, the defense that he could draw by, by going to the rim. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, doesn't really fit what the Hawks need. Just an interesting name. Sebron could be the type of guy who I see like purposely going undrafted. Like his name isn't called at 45 and he's like, I like, I don't want to be drafted in the fifties again. Like those guys often don't get tendered contracts. Like last year was nutty because Zegarowski and Raekwon Gray were two guys I kind of like, they get drafted and they don't even get two ways. They just, uh, get their G league rights. So who knows? And the Hawks should like, as a fairly big market team who is now competent, but also has like roles to fill, they should kind of have their pick of the litter with some UDFAs if they really want. But um, I feel like Schlank hasn't really utilized that partially because he's given two ways to his um, second round draft picks with Skylar Mays and Trude Cooper. But yep. Brad, this has been, this has been excellent. Seriously. Again, I can't thank you enough for coming on, for taking the time out of your day. Um, plug yourself to your heart's content, let the people know where they can find you. And uh, if there's any other, you know, closing words on the Hawks and the Hawks draft, go ahead. No, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it's just a really, really interesting off season in a way that last year kind of wasn't for the Hawks. Like we kind of knew they were going to run it back. It was kind of not a hugely mysterious off season. The, the draft's always fun, no matter what, as you guys can certainly attest, but like, and just overall, it was kind of like, all right, they're going to draft some guys and bring the band back together last year, this year, it's not going to be that. So I'm pretty intrigued by what's going to happen and uh, holding my breath in the next, you know, three, four weeks as we're talking now in advance of the draft. And it's going to be very fun to see what they do. Um, as for plugs, the biggest thing is the locked on Hawks podcast, which I host like five days a week or so uh, a lot of draft right now, a lot of re- season review stuff for agency, fake trades, all that fun stuff. And then during the season, lots of game coverage and wall to wall. I used to write about the Hawks a lot and I, I kind of retired to the podcasting game because I have too many jobs. Uh, I also write for Dime and I do some baseball work on the Atlanta Braves at Battery Power. I do sports lines or some gambling stuff. All It's very busy. But all that's all that said, uh, I'm also on Twitter at BT Roland. So that's the place to find me for anything that I'm probably saying that's just nonsense during the day. Yeah, must be must be nice to uh, be in a city that has both a basketball and a baseball team. I really wish, <laughs> well, really wish not, we had it, that. It, it could be nice and also be overwhelming. I, I could tell you, last October, this is obviously a rich man's problem, but the Braves won the World Series, and I had to do a podcast on the Braves basically every night for a month during basketball season, and that was no fun. It was fun, but it was no fun. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I definitely definitely understand. Um, yeah, Brad is great. I can't recommend Locked On Hawks enough. Uh, Locked On is obviously like a huge, huge network with a lot of stuff to listen to, but I really think that Locked On Hawks is, is one of the better uh, just pods out there in general, team-specific or not. Big fan of Brad's. Uh, again, for him, he's at BT Roland. Um, I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 for stone at report underscore court. You can follow us at upside swings. Give us a like rating review, all that fun stuff on whatever place you listen to this podcast has been the upside swings to be a draft podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you. We once again, like to thank our sponsors at global shop solution.com. 
Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at globalshopsolutions.com. Thank you.